Gospel of Mark, chapter 14. And we are reading starting from verse 32. They came to a place named Gethsemane. And he, that is our Lord Jesus, said to his disciples, Sit here until I have prayed. And he took with him Peter and James and John, and began to be very distressed and troubled. And he said to them, My soul is deeply grieved to the point of death. Remain here and keep watch. 他们来到一个地方名叫科西玛尼耶稣对他们说verse 35 and he went a little beyond them and fell to the ground and began to pray that if it were possible the hour might might pass by him and he was saying Abba Father all things are possible for you remove this cup from me yet not what I will but what you will Fufuzaiti,到高说,Sanrokasin,Pianjalna,Shokochi,Tasuapafua,Tenifansitonen,Chonijansabe,Dochi,Yar,Puyalchong,Puyalchong,Wodeis,Zial,Tenhot,Z
Because you are sons, God has sent forth the Spirit of His Son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. 你们既为儿子，神就差他儿子的灵进入你们的心，呼叫阿巴父。So this morning we would like to look once again to this matter of sonship. 我们今天早上要再看一次这个得儿子的名分。And we would like to look at it from the prism, from the point of view of the story of Gethsemane. 我们要从科西马尼园的故事的那个角度来看。of course, you know this is the last scene when we see our Lord Jesus with his disciples before his passion. And such being the case, I feel it's only right that there would be a concentration of spiritual values in that wonderful story. Yet we, we are not going to look at it as a whole into every detail. We just want to limit ourselves to the matter of sonship as we see it in this passage. I find it very meaningful that the first occurrence of that of that word Abba in Scripture is exactly in this passage, when our Lord Jesus addresses the Father as Abba. And as we know, that was the most intimate and affectionate way that a child would address his father. There are only two other places in, in the New Testament, in Scripture, for that matter. Where we will find that word Abba. We read one of them, it's Galatians chapter 4. And the other is Romans chapter 8. And yet, because, uh, you know, students of the Bible, Oftentimes they refer as a law of the first mention of a word in Scripture. That means that oftentimes when you see a word in the a certain word in the Word of God being mentioned for the first time, very, very often you find that that first mention will give you the key to understand the meaning. And the way that that word is used to the word of God. So, from the first time you read it, you can easily understand the meaning of that word. And I truly feel that this is one of these cases. I understand this matter of sonship. This matter of what it means to be a son. So, when you see Jesus calling in the event of Gethsemane. So In a way they are very different. And what I mean is that the experience of our Lord Jesus in Gethsemane has two aspects that we have to identify and make a separation here. On the one hand we see the eternal Son of God. The one that through all eternity never experienced a shadow of break in his communion with the Father. In Gethsemane, he faces a prospect. And it's a terrifying prospect. Did you realize the words that we read 
你有看到马太福音十四章圣经是怎么解释我们主的感受吗 At the end of verse 33 in my translation it says that he began to be, to be very distressed and troubled所以在三十三节里面他就说他他就非常的惊恐 And in verse 32 he says explicitly My soul is deeply grieved to the point of death 他然后我们的主说我的我的魂几乎要我的心里甚是忧伤几乎要死。And of course we have to ask ourselves that question. Why would the Lord Jesus be facing such distress and trouble? And say that his the, the kind of sadness that he was feeling was something that would even imperil, naturally speaking, his very physical life. Of course, this is a tremendous contrast with the story of the Lord Jesus throughout his whole ministry. Many times during his ministry, our Lord Jesus faces peril of death. Very easily, some incidents come to light. His, for instance, when he visited Nazareth, and he says something that the people don't really don't like. 他说了一些话, they take him to the brink of a precipice. And their intention is to throw him down. And the Bible says that our Lord Jesus just walked through their midst and he went away. In the Gospel of John, two times at least, we read of the Jews taking up stones to stone him. And our Lord Jesus again, he somehow, he moves away. Or remember when he's crossing the sea, and there is this huge tempest, our Lord Jesus is sleeping in the All those disciples, or most of them, they are professional fishermen. They live in the sea and they're saying, Lord, we are about to die. Are you it is very clear if you look at the at the life of our Lord Jesus. He was never afraid of death. Actually, there is always a sort of majestic peace and calm, and someone that is fully at rest under the protection of the Father. But in Gethsemane, it's completely different. He's very distressed. And there is a sadness, a sorrow in his heart that probably is imperiling his very physical life. In the Gospel of Luke, in the same, in his account of the same event. He speaks of our Lord Jesus sweating drops of blood. Is that kind of pressure and anguish that he's going through? Is he afraid now of death? Of course, there has to be something else. And we know that, of course, it's not a matter of him being now afraid of death. But somehow the eternal Son, that for all eternity 
was in fellowship with the Father, is facing the prospect of being separated from the Father and judged, condemned by the Father. So, he faces the prospect of taking upon himself my sin and your sin. And being punished, taking upon himself the punishment that I would deserve, and there will be nothing wrong if God punishes me in that way. The punishment that you would deserve, there will be nothing wrong if that now the perfect, holy Son of God is facing the prospect of taking upon his shoulders all that sin and being condemned for you and for me. So Sometimes we speak about hell. As a terrible place. And it is in fact the most terrible place. And what makes it so terrible is eternal separation from God. But more than that, <coughs> separation from God with all those illusions and deceits that make us blind today, they are removed. And you're face to face with one thing. I am condemned by God and I deserve in Gethsemane, our Lord Jesus faces the prospect of suffering death on the cross for you and for me. And so I want to make one, ask, one thing very clear. This aspect of his experience in the Garden of Gethsemane is exclusively his. And no one else has a part in that. It almost seems as if Gethsemane is an integral part of his work of salvation for all of us. That part of his experience, again, is something that you and I have no part in it. He drank of that cup, even there in Gethsemane, the prospect of it. He drank of it alone. I don't want to speak about that this morning. I just want to mention it to make that distinction before we go to the aspect that I would like to consider. Is, let me call it a second aspect of his experiences in the Garden of Gethsemane. And then that second aspect, we see our Lord Jesus in a way as someone that is a pioneer, going through something, opening a way that others may follow after him. And it's this aspect of our Lord's experience in Gethsemane, that by His grace we would like to consider this morning. And what I mean, just to put it in a nutshell, in the, in the Garden of Gethsemane, we see the second man in a relationship, a wonderful relationship with His Father. It's the most intimate possible relationship, Abba, Father. We see in the Garden of Gethsemane, what is the principle of his life? As a perfect man, as the second man, as the man according to God's heart, 
He's one that does not live by his soul life. He lives by the Spirit. So this perfect,他所表现出来的是什么呢？就是他活着不是靠他魂的生命，他是靠他父的生命。We see the aim, the supreme aim of his life as the second man, not my will, but I. 所以这个第二个人，他的这个目的是他能够说，不是按照我的意思呢，是按照你的意思。All these things, brothers and sisters, are related somehow to sonship. 所以这些都跟得儿子的名分有关联的。And thank the Lord, because in all these things, our Lord is going through that experience, not just for Himself, but He's doing it as a pioneer. 所以我们的主他经历这个不是只是为了他自己。isn't it wonderful that when Paul speaks to the Corinthians about the Lord Jesus in chapter 15 he refers to him with two titles at least Paul speaks of him as being the last Adam because in him all that belongs to this cursed broken and ruined Adam race was brought to an end by his wonderful grace and work on the cross thank God he is indeed the last Adam but then Paul goes ahead and he makes gives him another title he refers to the Lord Jesus as the second man. Why the second man? Ah, there you have a pioneer. Of course, it's again a contrast with Adam. Adam is the first man. And as such, he failed. And all his descendants, just by virtue of being descendants of him, we share in the faith. But our Lord Jesus, he's not the last man, he's just the second one. What does that mean? He opened a way as the perfect man that others would join him. I feel that in the Garden of Gethsemane we get a glimpse of this wonderful second man as a pioneer and what he opened for you and for me. So having made that distinction between those two aspects of the experience of our Lord Jesus in Gethsemane. Before we go in, detail, in a little more detail to the event itself of Gethsemane, I would like to look again to the two scriptures in Hebrews that we look at because they are speaking exactly about that. So if you go back, Sorry, if you go back to Hebrews chapter 2, it's a wonderful verse. And I remember several, I believe, I remember our brother Dana sharing about it. I think others shared about it because it has everything to do with sonship. However, I just want to get one word of this wonderful verse and meditate on it together. And in Hebrews 2 verse 10 we read again that for it was fitting for him for whom are, are all things and through whom are all things in bringing many sons to glory to perfect the author of their salvation through sufferings. And we have here a picture of the Father bringing many sons to glory. 
带进荣耀里。Not just children to glory. That is not the idea here. Is bringing mature sons and daughters to glory. 不只是儿女儿童，乃是带着成熟的啊儿子女儿进入荣耀里。But then, having said that, the author to the epistle by the Holy Spirit tells us that then the father is was perfecting the author of their salvation through sufferings. 所以，但是这边说到就是父是使救他们的元帅。So that is the title that our Lord Jesus receives here. He is the author of our salvation. So, uh, this, uh, uh, English is Chinese is translated. Yeah, no, Chinese is translated. Uh, captain. This, yeah, that's right. So, our English is translated as captain. But our brothers mentioned this word is it is. 这个救恩的作者 ，and of course that word that is given us so much trouble, we have to look at it a little more. 所以这这个词啊，就是我们今天要看的这个词。Because actually, Capitan is, which now I'm learning that is Mandarin, is actually the original the the AV, the King James most traditional translation in the English language, also says the captain of their salvation. 所以其实英英文最开始翻译也是翻成元帅。And however, I shouldn't say however. Neither word, author in my translation, the New American Standard, or captain, neither word seems to be the most appropriate translation for this. 在无论是英文呃中文提到元帅，或者英文提到作者，这两个不是非常非常好的，就是旧文的作者不是非常好的翻译。Actually, the original word, as I learned, is a certain word. Archegos, and when I say this fancy Greek word, I'm not implying that I know any Greek. To me, Greek is Greek. So, this original is Archegos, but I use this word not to say that I really understand Greek. Greek is really foreign. And yet, we thank the Lord for those scholars in the Greek language that help us so much. I want to read one quote from one of them that says this: "Neither word, and he was referring to captain or author. Neither word gives the fullness of sense. The archegos himself first takes part in that which he establishes, and that is actually the idea." So, this, ah, 无论是啊啊元帅或者是作者，这旧文的作者。不能完全表达，这个是说，呃，就是，呃，这个 archegos 其实这个意思就是，这个，呃，呃，有这个经历的人，他必须先亲自先经历过。I know it's still very fancy and maybe abstract. So let me try to clarify this. There is one translation, Darby, which probably is the closest one that we have in the English language, and he says the leader. Of our salvation. So, this Darby can translate as the leader. And somehow, the I know even leader needs to be qualified, and I'm going to get there. So, leader. But the idea is that our Lord Jesus is leading us into something. 所以这就代表我们的主在带领我们进入啊某一件事情里。He took part of something. He was the one whose sonship is the only true sonship, if I can put it that way. And he leads us into that pattern of sonship that belongs to him. 所以就代表说，我们的主他其实就是这个啊得儿子名分的典范。So I feel that even leader is something that is open to a misleading interpretation or understanding. So, 就算你说是这个率领我们进去，其实这也不也不是完全能够解释它。Because you, I think we all know that there is some leadership that is something just very official. 所以有的时候，这些领导者他们只是非常这个呃呃正式化的去领导
Uh, actually, I'll, I'll tell you an illustration that I heard from Brother Lance once. So as probably many of you know, he, I think he was a, he is a British citizen, or he was, and I'm not sure, but he grew up in Britain. And then he became, uh, an, uh, being a Jew, he became an Israeli citizen. So one time he told a story about, and I hope, I hope there is no British here, because it doesn't look very good, but he told a story about the British army and the British captains. Apparently in the Second World War, which of course Britain was a big part of it, he says that the, the tradition was that the leaders of the army, the captains, they were sitting in a really back and far removed from all the battle and just in that position, the vantage position, they were giving all the order. You go there, you know, and they're 20 miles away just with the binoculars. Oh yeah, yeah, very good job. So they're leaders, but they're completely removed from anything that is happening on the ground. So these uh英国军队的这些元帅，他们其实就是从老远在在发誓发誓命令，所以从发号施令，所以从很远的在那边控制这些军队。and then he said, you know, in the Israeli army is very different. Because a captain, a leader in the Israeli army, he's the first one to go into battle. And he'll say to his soldiers, you just watch me and do what I do. Brothers and sisters, this is the type of leadership, of leader that we are talking about. I'm going to suggest instead of leader, another term for this word. Perhaps the best word here in the sense of the book of Hebrews, our Lord Jesus, he was the pioneer. Of of course, I'm not talking in this. He didn't need a salvation himself, but he opened a way. He trod a path, and he invited us to follow after him. We get to see this principle very, very clearly in the story of the Garden of Gethsemane. Actually, in Hebrews chapter 5, which is the second passage we read in Hebrews, we see that with all clarity. Of course, in Hebrews chapter 5, there is a direct allusion to the Garden of Gethsemane. Let me read it again for you. Chapter 5 in verse 7. We read, In the days of his flesh, he offered up both prayers and supplications with loud crying and tears to the one able to save him from death. And he was heard because of his piety. 基督在肉体的时候极大神哀哭流泪祷告恳求那救他免死的主就因他的千层蒙了应允。Verse 8 Although he was a son, he learned obedience from the things which he suffered. 他虽然为儿子还是因所受的苦难学了顺从。and having been made perfect, he became to all those who obey him the source of eternal salvation. Do you see the same idea? And how it relates to sonship? And how it relates, of course, to Gethsemane. He is the Son of God. 
And even though he is a son, he learned something in that experience in the garden. He learned obedience through the things he suffered. But that is not just something for himself. As he learned that, we read that then he became the source of eternal salvation to all those I hope we can see here our Lord Jesus again as a pioneer. He walked the path of perfect obedience and he learned it. And because of that, he has a sonship. But because of that, he becomes a source of eternal salvation to all that obey him. Do you see his experience reproduced in his followers? Well, it is to these things that we want to take a quick look in the half hour that we still have in the Garden of Gethsemane. What are the things that our pioneer leads us in this matter of sonship as we see it in the Garden of Gethsemane? Well, there are three main things as I as I see them I want to, and I would like to share with you. The first thing that our pioneer leads us into is life. And it's by far the most important aspect of this matter of sonship. Our Lord Jesus, He is the one that can address the Father as Abba. By virtue of union in life with the Father. He is, let me put it this way, He is the pioneer of a relationship with the Father that none of us ever had or would ever have unless He would give it to us. And we read in this wonderful verse in Galatians chapter 4 how this was given to us as well by our pioneer. In Galatians 4 6, again we read, Because you are sons, God has sent forth the Spirit of His Son into your hearts who cries. Abba Father. That was the spirit that our Lord Jesus had. That was the relationship that he had with the Father, Abba, the most intimate. And in in redemption, through redemption, he gives that to you and to me. Now we have the same relationship by grace. We also cry, Abba Father. Dear brothers and sisters, in my estimation, this is by far the most important aspect of sonship. Now, I, I have to be really careful. I know many of you are going to frown on me just because I said that. Because, of course, let me put it this way. Sonship is not just having the life of the Father in us. This is what makes sonship possible. 
Sonship means that that life that was given to you and to me now is going to mature. It's going to become all that that the Father had intended. So, but having said that, we can never diminish the importance of the simple fact that the Father, simple, the most glorious fact, He has given us His very life in redemption. Without that life, forget it. There is no sunshine. I feel sometimes there is a risk when we think in sonship. Sonship is indeed, I want to make it clear, is indeed the maturing of that life. There is no question about it. But brothers and sisters, that life has in itself that capacity, that nature. It's not your effort, it's not mine. It's the life that was given to you, it just grows and grows if we don't get in the way. Let me put it in a slightly different way. Of course, there is a difference between having the life of God and living by the life of God. Absolutely crucial difference. Because that is the difference between remaining a baby and growing into sonship. So the question, once by his grace we know. We are His children. We can say, Abba, Father, thank God. But once this is clear, the second question is, by which life am I living today? Am I living by the life that the Father has given me? In his, in, in his wonderful redemption through Christ. Am I obeying the spirit that was given to me? And that spirit will cry out the Father. But again, there is a difference between having that life and living by it. Brothers and sisters, I feel that in the garden we see our Lord Jesus in some way making that principle extremely clear in his own very experience. And this is something tricky because there is of course a difference between him and us. Our Lord Jesus is one who is Holy, without sin. We are sinners saved by grace. There is a tremendous difference right there. But even though He is holy and sinless, He had to learn, as we read in Hebrews, He had to learn obedience, and He did it. He also had to make the choice. Am I going to live by the life of my father or am I going to live by my own soul life? Did our Lord Jesus have a soul life? Of course That soul life is different from ours that is marred by sin. His was sinless. And yet, he also had to make the choice, even though his soul life is sinless, he had to make the choice, is that going to be the source of my life? Or is my father's life in me that is going to be the source of my life? So, 
，他要借着这个魂的生命而活出来呢，还是借着他父的生命活出来呢 ？And we thank the Lord, brothers and sisters. I feel that this is extremely clearly clear in the story of the garden. 所以在卡西卡西马尼园这个就清楚不过。Our Lord has a will. In his soul, he would rather avoid the cross if that is possible. So our Lord has a will. If he can avoid the cross, he will avoid it. But he prays, "Not what I want, but Thy will be done." But his prayer is not according to my will, but according to Your will. What does that mean? 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 By the will of the Father, rather by the life of the Father. He lives not by his own life, but by the life of the Father. And now, wonderfully, in the story of the Garden of Gethsemane, it seems that our Lord Jesus he commands. There is one commandment in that story, right? We are going to get to it again. But it seems that he is commanding that which is his very experience in the Garden. So our Lord is commanding. 呃，命令我们就是要经历他在科西马尼园所经历的。What is the commandment in the story of the Garden of Gethsemane？ 所以在科西马尼园，他对门徒是怎么说的呢 ？Of course, it is verse thirty-eight in Mark fourteen. 所以马可福音十四章第三十八节。Watch and pray that you may not come into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. 所以三十八节里说，嗯。就提到说，总要警醒祷告，免得入了迷惑。你们心灵呀、yeah. ，Do you realize that our Lord Jesus is going through what was the most intense temptation in his whole human life？ 所以我们的主他所经历的是，也许是他一生最大的试探。Of course, in Hebrews we read a lot about that again. He was tempted in all things. He was tempted in all things. He was tempted in all things. He was tempted And not the will of the Father. And we thank the Lord as He turns to the Father in prayer. He gains the victory. So we thank the Lord as He turns to the Father. 所以我们的主他的确他自己警醒祷告，他说这是父的呃旨意。We didn't read the whole story, but at the end of the story in Gethsemane, what a difference from the beginning. 所以到科西马尼园故事最后一段跟刚起初是不太一样的。You remember, as those disciples they could not keep up with the Lord, they were just falling asleep again and again and again. 看那些门徒们，他们就一而再、再而三的睡着了。At the end, when our Lord sees the betrayer Judah approaching, so when our Lord sees the betrayer Judah approaching, do you remember what he says? Do you remember what he says? He says, "Let's go." He says, "Let's go." Rise up. Not a shadow of hesitation. Not a shadow of doubt. All the all the agony at the beginning completely dispelled because of that relationship. 但是因为他与父的这个关系，那个时候他就说：“我们走吧，没有任何的犹豫。” And now in verse thirty-eight, it almost seems that he commands that which was his very experience in the garden. 所以在这个时候，三十八节他好像他所经历的，他好像要他要求他的门徒们这么做。He watched and prayed. 他警醒祷告了。And somehow he was delivered from the most intense temptation. That he had ever had. So he just from his greatest temptation. All the agony, all the distress, was somehow dissipated. At the end, there is complete clarity. Thank the Lord for that. So all these difficulties, all these sufferings, finally, our Lord got a clear path. And of course, at the end of that commandment, there is a wonderful key that I feel is his experience 
and should be ours. So, in this, 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 the spirit is willing. But the flesh is weak. In other words, by which life do we live? By the life of Christ in our spirit or by the life of the soul in our flesh? In the garden we see the pioneer. Living not by his own soul life, but by the life of the Father. And thank the Lord, brothers and sisters. This is sonship, and it's for you and for me. There is one verse in John chapter 6 that I feel embodies this principle in a most wonderful way. That is, I'll read it for you. It's verse 57 of John 6. <coughs> Our Lord says, as, as the living Father sent me, and I live because of the Father, so he who eats me, he also will live because of me. Actually, there are other translations that I feel that they perhaps express a little better the idea here. And the other translations go, and I live by the, not just because of the Father. Not just the Father is the source of my life. No, I live by the Father. He is everything. In my, I live through His life. So he who eats me, he also will live by me. Do you see that principle in the Garden of Gethsemane? Our Lord Jesus living not just out of his own will, his own soul life, but by the Father. We thank the Lord because this was not just for Him. He did that also as a pioneer to open a way for you and for me. As He lived by the Father, we today can live by His life. And this, brothers and sisters, is sonship. I just want to say one thing about it before we go to the third aspect. Sonship is obviously living by that life given to us. Letting that life mature, let's put it that Brothers and sisters, we have to get out with that concept that this is only for spiritual giants. There is something very insidious that we all, I'm the first one guilty of that, so don't, don't worry if I'm kind of, I don't want to expose anyone. We tend to think that, well, you know what, yeah, watch Glenee, you know, uh, Austin Spartan. Those are wonderful, you know, mature sons, but me, I'm just a little whatever. So we often think that, ah, is for every single believer in the Lord Jesus. It's not something that you or I have to labor for. It's the life that was given to you, it has all the potential. All the capacity is the life in you. Yes, of course. You and I have to choose. Am I going to live by that wonderful life? 
我们要借着这个生命而活呢，还是借着我们的魂的生命而活呢？But the question is, why wouldn't you live by that wonderful, eternal, incorruptible, almighty life given to you, the life of your Lord and Savior？问题是你为什么不借着这个完全有能力的、完全的生命而活呢？ Sonship and maturity is just a normal thing. You know what's the abnormal thing? Remaining a baby, that is absolutely abnormal. We know that just from the from natural life, right? Do you see after ten years of that wonderful cute baby that was born? Ten years later that you know is this size? Doesn't happen, I heard it. Dear saints, to grow into sonship is just a normal thing. Because not of you and me, it's because of the life. Given to you and me that are pioneer make possible. 长进到成熟的地步，这个生命已经赐给我们，因为我们的先锋也已经这么做了。I will read just one verse in that connection to you. 所以我再读一段一节圣经节。That is Second Peter chapter one verse three. Very well known verse. 所以彼得后书第一章第三节就这么提。May the Lord write it in our hearts. 三月主这么写在我们的心里。Our brother Peter wrote by the Spirit. Seeing that His divine power has granted us everything pertaining to life and godliness through the true knowledge of Him who called us by His own glory and excellence. Second Peter one. 以将一切关乎生命和前进的事赐给我们，建因我们认识那用自己荣耀和美德招我们的主。Everything that leads to life and godliness was already given to you and me in His wonderful salvation in that life that we received.只记得他的神能，他已将一切。there is a third thing that I see in the Garden of Gethsemane that our pioneer he opened a way and he's leading us into. And again, the first thing he gives us that life. He gives us that that spirit that cries, Abba Father. That's the first and most important. The second, he's leading us into living by that life. And that essentially, if you consider the commandment in the Garden of Gethsemane, it means that you live by the Spirit and not by the flesh. You live by that organ inside of you that has a relationship with the Father. A new organ that you received the day you were saved. Now make no mistake, it doesn't matter if you were saved a week ago. If you believed in the Lord Jesus, that wonderful eternal life and a regenerated spirit is in you. You may feel it or not, it doesn't matter. Thank the Lord, it's right there within you. I should apologize. Give me a hard time to my brother. I'm trying to make the following point. If you have, if you're just a baby in Christ that were born again a week ago, you have received a regenerated spirit within you. 所以你就算是一个礼拜前
Oftentimes, I'm remembering just my own experience, we feel, uh, I'm not sure if I have, I don't feel a thing inside me. Thank the Lord, it doesn't matter what you feel or what you do not feel. You see, it, what it matters is His faithfulness, is His word, is His work. It is right there inside and our whole time on this earth, before he comes back or before he calls us home, is just given to us as an opportunity to learn to live by that new life in our spirit. The spirit is willing. But the flesh, that is our soul life. I'm not going to get into that. At the end of the day, flesh there just means your soul life and my soul life. That is what our pioneer has opened for us. There is a third thing that I want now to, to say very briefly. Is the evidence of sonship as we see even in the story of the Garden of Gethsemane. It's always, there is always a risk, brothers and sisters, for us to get very theoretical in these matters. You can say, thank the Lord, He has given me His life, and, and He did, if you believe in Him. And then nothing, there is absolutely no evidence in you or me. And things should not be so. If, he, if we are indeed following our pioneer in this matter of sonship, in this path that he has opened for us, there will be an evidence, a very clear one. What is the evidence as we see it in his own experience in the Garden of Gethsemane? The evidence of sonship, of being a true son, a true mature son of, the, of God. Not my will, but thine. That will always be the supreme evidence if we are indeed learning to follow our pioneer in this path of sonship. Our brother Maurice shared last week, and I, I really was very touched by one phrase that he said. And I'm sorry, I hope I'm not misquoting him too much. But it's something to the effect that when sonship is real, our hearts become aligned with the heart of our Father. Another way to put this, just the story, not my will, but thine. That will become, brothers and sisters, the supreme concern of our lives. As I think on all the wonderful messages that we heard during almost a year on this matter of sonship already, I feel that there is something very, very practical in this matter of the will of God. See, again, I'm just trying to avoid that we get into something very theoretical. When we all say, of course, the will of God is so important, it's the most important thing, and there is absolutely no evidence that we are really following. But think for, for, an, for, for a minute on all the wonderful practical messages we heard on sonship during this last year. That will, will be, if we are really putting that will first, if we will be... Sorry. 
It will be expressed in how we love one another. Do you think that you say yes? The most important thing in my life is the will of the Father. And by the way, I cannot stand this guy right on, on my side. So you saw really that will is very, very practical. We will learn to love to love every child of God, not just ninety-nine percent that we kind of get along naturally. How about forgiveness? Didn't we hear this? Very practical. If we really learn this matter of, of sonship, there will be an evidence that we learn how to forgive one another. And at the end of the day, that is very practically. How about the matter of how we speak? Shouldn't there be a expression of a speech that glorifies the Lord? I feel it's, it's that type of will that we are talking about, something very tangible and with uh, an evidence in our life. This is the evidence as I see it of sonship. Yet not what I will, but thy will. We thank the Lord because our pioneer he trod that path. He put his wonderful eternal life in each one of us by grace. And he calls us to follow after him. This is sonship. May the Lord be gracious to us. May we be found as those that just cooperate with Him and are led by the Spirit of God. Let's have sort of some prayers to conclude this time as the Lord leads.